Welcome to BitFaced. After you podcast for a couple years, it gets a little bit old. But then you get a phone call to do some panels at Colorado Springs Comic Con, and all of a sudden you're recharged again. I got to do four panels. We're going to release them all to you. Thank you to some people I'm going to mention in just a second. But when I did these, I didn't think I was going to get the audio. But I was very honored to be picked to do these panels. I think I got to do the panels that I really wanted to do, which was exciting. And I'm going to get to bring them to you. We're going to start with Brian O'Halloran and Shannon Elizabeth. Need no introduction. I'll just let you listen to it. The reason I wanted to do this introduction, though, is to thank a few people. First of all, Iggy at Project Nerd. Thank you so much for getting us this audio. When I walked into the building that day, I did not think I would have any of this later or certainly not be able to use it on BitFaced and share it with the BitFaced audience. So you rule. Thank you also for having us on your podcast. That was really cool. And I hope we get to do some stuff with you again in the future. I also want to thank Greg Gron Geeks for taking some excellent pictures, which you guys will probably see attached to some of the episodes. Um, if Even if you don't, because we have some other pictures we took as well. Uh, Greg Gron Geeks were awesome. I also had, uh, met my new best friend at Colorado Springs Comic Con, Gabe, from Thinking Outside the Long Box, and his partner, Juan. Gabe, let me just tell you, bud, you got me through both of those days, not only there as uh, someone to criticize and tell me how to do things differently, but you had great pictures, you had my back, you had advice. I was so amazed by how you represented the community and how much you supported our podcast. So thank you, Gabe, and we will definitely teaser we'll be doing something with outside uh, thinking outside the long box very soon too uh they were wonderful finally i guess i want to thank elijah from movie camp because he's the one that got me the job let's let's be honest and you know he was on an episode of bitface what episode 16 three years later he's asking me to do panels and i was extremely honored elijah to do that and i hope i did you well and I hope I did a good job for you because that was my goal that day. I also want to thank Mia St. Clair, and she knows why. And I'll just leave it at that. Finally, Tyler was there all day, both days with me, waiting on me hand and foot, letting me know where to go. I bounced a lot of ideas and jokes off of him that ended up in the panels. So, Tyler, thank you for being there. I know you didn't want to, you don't want to talk. Is your mic on? <laughs> yeah, my mic's on. Okay. Well, th- thank you for being there um, all day that day. And supporting it. Anyway, we're going to start with Brian O'Halloran and Shannon Elizabeth. Uh, if anyone knows me, in fact, I'll tell a I'll tell a personal story here. I don't normally text my ex girlfriends, but I did text one of my ex girlfriends who I still have a good relationship with. I don't hate her or anything. We still get along very well, and she knows how much I love Clerks and the USK Universe, and she knows how much I love American Pie. So. I was putting pictures out there and stuff, but I, I made a point to text her and say, hey, you know, I know you understand how happy I am right now, and I just want to share that with you. And she was she was ecstatic. She, she loved it. I think I showed you some of the texts she sent me, and yeah. she, was, she was so happy and so proud of me. And I, I got a lot of that from a lot of you on social media and privately. And thank you. The, the word proud got thrown around a lot. And you know what? I'm not going to say the panels are perfect. I'm glad I got them done because I've already learned a little bit from them. And who knows? If I never get to do a panel again, I really got four that I can't complain about. And so if you follow me on social media or BitFace, you know who the other three panels are. But we're going to give you this week Brian O'Halloran and Shannon Elizabeth. (laughs) 
Hello again, Colorado Springs. How's everybody doing? All right, you guys are going to have to get a little bit louder as I bring our guests out here. Is that okay? All right. First person that's going to sit down today is in probably my favorite movie of all time. He's the guy that taught me sometimes you have to let those hard to reach chips go. Brian O'Halloran. I stole that from Ellen. Don't care. But now the real person you all here want to see is coming to the stage. Also, in one of my favorite movies, American Pie, and of the Shannon Elizabeth Foundation, Shannon Elizabeth. Before we go to the audience questions, and I'm sure you guys have a lot of them, I'd like to know from Shannon and Brian, since this is, is a panel about cult films, what are some of your favorite cult films? Oh God, do you have any? Um, I mean, when I was growing up in the 80s and stuff, I mean, The Road Warrior actually was like a cult film. Any of the Peter Jacksons, you know, stuff was cult films, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Um, any of the John Waters stuff, if you were able to get that, you know, and see it, it was hard because, especially in the heartland of, of America, it was hard to find places that either, A, you were able to rent John Waters films because a lot of communities, like, banned them, found it, the, it violated their vulgar laws and stuff like that. And so those were the type of cult films that we always got, you know, addicted to. Plus, a lot of uh, Hong Kong cult films, like any of the John Woo earlier stuff, any of the Jackie Chan stuff, which we only got to see, like, well, I lived in New Jersey, but we'd take the, the train into New York City to go see the Hong Kong Film Festival, which was mostly these karate type of films and stuff, which was awesome. So I would say those. Good choices. Shannon? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you. I don't know if, like, Xanadu's considered a cult film, but Certainly I loved is. Xanadu growing up. <laughs> but uh, some people just say... It's not a good film, but I think it's awesome, so I don't know. I think that's a great answer. I, that's my cult film. Who are some of you guys' acting heroes? Who are the actors that you both look up to? Michelle Pfeiffer and Gary Oldman. Those, those are like my two favorites. Um, I'm a big Anthony Hopkins fan. Uh, a big, uh, I mean, I, I grew up, my father watched a lot of the black and white films. So I have like Cagney and Bogart. And um, when I grew up, and the comedy that I, comedies that I enjoyed, that I picked up a lot of my comic timing would be like The Honeymooners and Jackie Gleason or the Monty Python series and stuff like that. So I enjoy those guys because they were on the edge of doing such weird comedy, which if you notice when comedy moves into different phases, and pushes envelopes. It's usually someone who's done something in comedy that no one's done before, which is like, that's fucked up. You know? Like, well, by the way, I curse, so if you need. <laughs> if you're a fan of my work, first of all, I mean, it's all rated R movies. So if you're here and you're offended, well, fuck you, you're shit out of luck. You shouldn't have come. 
And the other half of you, or more than, or more than half of you who are here, be obviously because of Shannon, you're just here to look at her. I know you are. Stop it. You're lying if you say you're not. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so those type of movies and those type of shows is what kind of influenced me. You mentioned time points when comedy changes. Both of you were parts of movies that I would argue did that. Clerks in 1994, American Pie in 1999. What was it like being a part of that for you guys? When you look back at those movies, and I just watched them this week, those could have came out last week, and they would still hold up today. What was that transition like for both of you? Um, I mean, for me, it was my first studio film, so I was just grateful to have a job. <laughs> um, but it, it was, I mean, in hindsight, especially like after it came out and you see it and you're like, wow, I'm really happy and proud to be a part of this. And, you know, even though my role was obviously a lot smaller, I was just so grateful and, and, and still am. I'm still very grateful to the whole industry and um, that they allowed me to, to have a small part of a great film. Well, for our experience, myself, Kevin, and everybody from the, the, the VSQ universe, so to speak, I mean, we were making something independently. We didn't know where it was going. Literally, I was doing mostly, you know, live theater stage. So um, I just thought that, A, we, it would just be something that I could show friends once we were done on a VHS tape. We'd all get a VHS tape copy. Ask your granddad what a VHS tape is. And... Um, <laughs> And we would show it to friends, hey, look what we did this past spring, we made this silly comedy. You know, it was the wherewithal of Kevin and his friend and producer, Scott, and Dave Klein, who had the wherewithal to enter it into film festivals. And we were fortunate enough to have someone sitting in our first screening who was one of the people who submitted films to Sundance with his recommendation all the time by the name of Bob Hawke who is our angel when you think about it, because if he wasn't in that audience of 25 people in that first screening, you know, 12 of which were us from the film, um, and liked it enough to then approach Kevin and say, you need to send this to Sundance. I think it's, you're, you're, you're touching into that Gen X vibe that's going on right now, and no one's really capturing it, and you captured it in that moment. Um, it's, it's an awesome moment. So for us, it was weird. It was the first of anything when we got submitted, and then we went to Sundance, and Sundance is a 10-day festival, and I couldn't afford to go all 10 days. So we all chipped in to rent one two-bedroom condo in, in Park City. So by the amount you chipped in was whether you could have a bedroom or not, or actually a couch. So I could barely uh, like afford like the, the space in front of the sliding glass door. That's you. You're over there. <laughs> That was the type of thing. And it was weird, like, because then, MT like, oh, we got to talk to MTV today. They want to talk to you to do interviews and stuff like that. And that was just weird. It was just like, wow, that's Kennedy from MTV. This is awesome. And I remember giving her shit, like, why did your family drop the O? Because it's supposed to be O Kennedy, like all the Irish names are. And she's like, what? How dare you? <laughs> so, but she has her own show on Fox now, so who cares? Both of you have had to sit down and act from a script written by Kevin. Is all of that on the page, or do you guys have room to work with that, or does he present you the character of Justice or of Dante and say, this is how I want it done? Um, I don't remember about the lines so much, but he was really like open to my interpretation of creating the character because he, he thought I'd just come in and play Justice as me, dark hair, and just like, go play her. 
But I came in, I was like, okay, I want her to go blonde, she'll have bangs, and she's gonna have glasses because Justice is blind. And I think I had a little tattoo somewhere that you never even saw of like the scales of justice. So I had this whole thing. He's like, wow, you got really deep. I, I don't know. I thought you were just going to play it. So he was cool about that. I've never known the whole you wore glasses because justice is blind thing. Yeah. Wow, like that, that NBC, the more you know star just went over my head. <laughs> -na 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 -na. The more you know, justice is blind. I like that take. And you're right, you did way too much research for yeah. a Kevin Smith film on your character. I'm just saying. But, but, but my favorite thing was that when the ads for that came out, all of my friends were like, I thought you were in that movie. You're not in the ads. I'm like, yeah, I am. And I love that nobody recognized me in it. Like, because of the blonde hair. Yeah, because of the blonde hair yeah. and the glasses. And it just looks so different. And I mean, some of the actors I admire, Gary Oldman, you'd never recognize him in things. And I love that. That's my favorite thing. He was brilliant, by the way, playing Churchill. Like when I'm, yeah. Oh, you didn't see Oh my God. Well, you're part of SAG, so if you get your screeners, it was handed out with screeners. So check your mail. Yeah, I, I don't get the screeners. Oh, you don't get the screeners anymore? What the hell? I'm gonna call someone. <laughs> anyway, it's a good movie. If you get a chance, watch it. It's it's really good. Um, Kevin is is a is very particular about his dialogue. Um, so uh, the first film, it was literally almost as actors hate, like line readings, like, no, 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 say it like this. Now he was his first time director, so you were just like, all right, I'll give it to him to try to tell me how to say something in a certain way. So that was then, and then when we went to, finally got to like Clerks 2, and we had done the cartoon series and a whole bunch of stuff, he trusted me and Jeff especially to, so it was like 85% written and then 15% play with things going on. And we knew how to, we'd known each other up to that point, 15 years or so at that point. So he kind of trusted us. And even now, hopefully when we work on the new Jay and Silent Bob reboot, hopefully he'll let us play with some stuff. I know the overview of the script, I don't know the script as of yet because I know he's still working on it. And um, it's going to be something that I think the fans are going to just going to go, Poof. it's going to be so funny. So Dante definitely coming back. Justice is coming back as Jay's wife, right? Can you, can you let us any insight there? Can you give me any insight? Because yeah. I have no idea. See, and this is the thing, because unless you're Jay himself, who he sleeps with, it, no one else knows what goes on. I find most of my Kevin Smith news, I find out from the internet. And stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago for his uh, film festival, Vulgarthon, back in Jersey, and I asked him a couple of questions there, and we caught up on a few things. Um, and he's still working on it, and there's other things that are floating on in his world. I mean, his, his heart attack set him, his schedule back a good four or five months. And he's in the greatest of health that he's ever been even now, and it's, it's been awesome. Uh, it, was, it was not really a wake-up call to him because he had lost 80 pounds up to that point when he had the heart attack. So he was doing the right things. It was just his, you know, his father had heart disease, his mother had heart disease. Um, and it just, as he said, it was just the genetic thing that was going to happen. And, but it, you know, it got him even more determined and now it pushed him to being a vegan altogether, which he now advocates like crazy and stuff. But the one thing he was just like when he was with his doctors and if anybody follows his podcast or see him, sees him live, it says like, well, doc, did the weed help because I was high when I had the heart attack? He goes, well, it didn't like stop the heart attack from happening, but it kept your mind calmer so that when we're telling you all this information, like, what do you mean I had a heart attack? And he was just like, oh, I had a heart attack. Okay. He freaked out when they were about to take his pants off. He's like, no, oh, don't, don't be taking my pants off. They're like, but well, we have to because we've got to put a catheter or the, the, the line to do the angiogram or angiogram, whatever it is, up your leg. And he's like, whoa. And he's like, we're to shave you. If anybody has not listened to his podcast about his heart attack, every, don't worry. In the end, everything works out. 
but it's hilarious hearing his panic about him being, his privates being shaved. What was the question again? Oh yeah, that's good. Anybody in the audience have any questions? Uh, the microphone is back there. I don't want to hog everything here. Yeah, I, I figured somebody did, right? Yeah, we have a runner. When did you guys realize that your films was going to be a cult classic? I think when people like you tell me that it was a cult <laughs> classic, I, I don't really think about it like that. I don't know. It, it took a while for us. Do you know what I mean? The first film, it only was in like, I think, 200 or 300 theaters at art houses and stuff. And then when we made Mall Rats, which box office wise, they said didn't do well, but the following didn't really happen for us until people who loved, who saw Mallrats then went back to go, who is this filmmaker who made this first film, Clerks? And they went to get their VHS copy at the video rental store, something else your grandpa will tell you about. Back in my day, you had to go out to find your movies. Um, and what happened was it would be passed around from fan to fan between bong hits. And um, they would then forget to return it back to the video store, true story. We were at a video rental convention where producers and, and film distribution people would try to sell to regular independently owned video store owners to please buy cases of our films to rent, blah, 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 blah. So we were up there, it was in upstate New York, and we had one of the main executives of Blockbuster at the time come up to me and Jeff go, do you know that your movie is one of the most unreturned movie in our franchise? <laughs> And I said to him, well, that's our fan best, sir, a bunch of cheap thieves. <laughs> Would you like to buy 20 more cases? So that's, that's when I knew things were kind of like weird, that people would throw that term cult classic around. Because I always thought of cult classic as like, you know, in Attack of the Tomatoes and the John Waters films and something really auteur and really strange, never thinking that this was that type of thing. But it's that type of film, like, I, you know, Thank God she doesn't have to have people going, hey, it's pie fucker, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> people say to me all the time, like, do, do you find it annoying when people say, hey, hey, man, are you even supposed to be here today? And I say, look, man, I, I have a catchphrase. I love it. It's awesome. People love it. It's going to be on my tombstone, definitely. Like, and if it makes someone laugh at my gravesite, that's awesome. Get it? He's not supposed to be here. He's dead. <laughs> uh, but it could be worse because it could be my co-star... My poor co-star has men screaming at her in a parking lot, try not to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot. <laughs> now, if you're not a fan of the movie and you're seeing this happen, you're going, what did you just say to that young lady? <laughs> you go apologize, young man. You know, you don't know what's going on. So I'm lucky in the sense that, yeah, it's a cult hero, cult classic kind of film, but I'm on the cleaner side of what could be thrown at me. And, uh, um Kind of a simple guy, originally from Brooklyn, New York, and um, Brooklyn. Yep. Woo woo. Uh, so, uh, Shannon. Shannon. I'm kind of <laughs> awestruck right now, you know, to see to see a perfect ten sitting in front of me. Oh, um, stop! But what do you think of Shannon? <laughs> 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 You're a dime as well, too, sir. You're a dime as well. Um, but uh, as far like this is not a question, point, a comment specifically for we you. Have I, I think. Uh, <laughs> Um, Jay and Silent Bob, in that movie, the part you played to me, you're, you're kind of like, like, in your character was kind of like a Wonder Woman to me. It's 
because, you know, she was always on the right and she was kind of like shy and not unsure of herself. You're like, kind of like the pilot for the Wonder Woman. So your part was not small. I think it was a really important and vital part to that movie. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And, um, but, uh, but from seeing uh, uh, Brian over here and, you know, seeing how you got, hearing how you guys come from like, from hard work and hustling, um, I'm coming near the end of, uh, uh, of an IT career to where I can walk away from it. And I'm, I'm kind of asking a question like, how, how does somebody who has no idea to get involved with the work you guys do, how would I even start? He wants to be your PA. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, well, it depends on what your end goal is. What do you want, do you wanna get in front of the camera, behind the camera, what, do you, what, do you, what would you say? In front. In front of the camera, yeah. all right. So, it, first of all, acting lessons is always key. First of all, huh? You've been playing the military guy. Have we been paying you to be playing the military guy? I'm just curious what kind of servicemen we have out here. No, um, acting lessons is, is a help because you need to know the terminology. You don't want to be so green on a set that when they say, could you hit your mark, could you go back to one, we're going to do a retake because the lighting was bad. So we're going to go from halfway between your dialogue, not the beginning of the whole scene again because in the beginning you were fine. you got to know on point where you got to be right at that moment in the thing. Film acting is harder, I would think, than in television than it would be for just doing a play. And I always say for actors, start in theater. Why? You have to know the story from beginning to end. You're taking that character arc from beginning to end. And you're doing it in front of a live audience. So there's no stop, cut, oh, totally brain fart. Can we do that again? You can't do that on stage. You gotta go with it. And you better hope you have castmates who can help you along if you start to get the deer in the headlights kind of look. So I always recommend Go to your local community theater or go to your local community college and take theater or if you have a private coach, take lessons and do that. And then if you want to start auditioning for things, find out filmmakers, local filmmakers. Go to film festivals. That's where the filmmakers are. And tell them like, hey man, I'd like to get into some films. Especially if someone's doing action films or you want to play some, a big tough or you want to do something like that, you have the physicality to do it, then by all means, surround yourself with people like that. And then after that, I have to start charging you for lessons. But, um, <laughs> and all the advice, no, but seriously, after that, it's, a, it's then building on that, making, making connections, making that reputation. The technology aspect of making films has become so cheap, the gentleman with the camera right there snapping that figure, that, you can make a full-fledged movie on that, that woman, I'm sorry, the light's right, in, you're right behind the light and it's right in my eye. Um, she can make a full-fledged movie on that, that camera alone. So the technology to make your own film is there, so do it. If you have a certain story you want to tell, then just do it. There are, there are film festivals that are all about just making films off your phone. There are things called 48-hour film festivals where you have 48 hours to start film. They give you a premise. It's about a milk delivery gone bad. Go. You have 48 hours to make a film about it. And people do all sorts of craziness about it. It's about a baby who gets a milk. You know, like you let your mind run. Do those type of things to build up your skill set. And then you'll have the toolbox to do the major stuff. That's my advice. Not at all. Thank you, Captain America. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we got two out there. Uh, so as people that were participants in like what in the video era got termed like the late night comedies, has there ever been a moment where somebody recognized you from a movie and you were just completely embarrassed because, oh yeah, that, yeah, I was in that. <laughs> 
I don't know, I'm not embarrassed of the work I do. Whatever I do is what I do, and I made that choice. It's embarrassing when I'm asked that question like at the urinal. <laughs> hey dude, you're the dude from so-and-so. No, I'm the dude peeing right now. <laughs> do you mind? If I, if I have a, that's why now, from now on, I always go to stalls. That's it, I'm, I'm not, in this day and age of fucking, re uh, no, I ain't, I ain't, homie ain't playing that shit, yo. I'm going in a stall. It's an empty bathroom. I'm going to a stall. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I know that shit goes on. But as far as embarrassed what I do, nah, I mean, there are times where, there are three times I don't like to be bothered. When, I've just, when I'm in a restaurant and the, the, the hot meal has just come to my table, don't, it, just a hint, don't bother a celebrity when the meal is still in front of them. Um, when I'm, you see me in the hotel and you see me going to the elevator bank to get to my room, I'm obviously fucking tired. I want to go to go back to my room. I'll be cool, like, hey, what's up? And then I'm going to go, or I'll give you the, the high, the drive-by. And then the other time is in a bathroom. Don't, yeah, yeah, come on. Outside the bathroom, cool, it's all good. But inside the bathroom, come on, man, I got, I got business to take care of. And I'm not going to shake your hand, so. And I obviously don't have a pen to sign some shit. Unless you've got a snow cone, I'll be like, there you go. And now you have my DNA. Go, go work on a clone. But that, that's, I'm not, I have nothing embarrassing. I, I am who I am. Uh, go, go, go. I have to answer that. No. <laughs> that's, ah, good for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm fine. I, I actually, I like it when people come up to me and, and say they liked something I did that's not in the normal list of things. Something that I'm like, wow, you saw that? That's so cool. You know, so it's fun. I, I like my resume. Because a lot of times we're doing work because A, we were asked to, and B, we have nothing going on in that schedule, or it's a place that we want to go visit. It's not so much 100 pounds, it's got to be the perfect film that I have come off like smelling like a rose. It's not about it. Sometimes it's like, I got rent to pay, bitch, and I'm ready to take your check. These are my terms. Can we do it in this time frame? And I need first class tickets on an airplane. There we go. Sometimes it is just that, and I tell that to filmmakers, like, how do you get so-and-so into your films? Sometimes it's just a matter of they just, okay, I'll, I have nothing else going on at that moment, and they'll fiddle in. Some, just ask. The worst that's going to happen is like, I'm so sorry, I, I don't want to be part of this. You know, and they'll be cool about it. Or they just never you know, return your emails or whatever, and that's fine. Sometimes these people didn't become famous by the first day they acted. They worked their way up becoming famous. So find somebody who's not so famous that will, are going to do everything they can for you to work. They'll, they'll work those late hours. Just like I tell new filmmakers, what's the most important thing about filmmaking? Fucking catering. Make sure you have decent catering. Because if you want people to stay late 12-hour days, feed them right. You, then that crew will know, like, well, at least we'll get a great meal when we sit down. And it's easy to do. You, get, you find out, out of all your crew, and who in the area has a mom that cooks, like, phenomenal. And you have her do one night of all the meals. And then you find another person. Or you find a restaurant to donate a meal. And you, you, don't, you don't put the burden on one company. You, you spread it around. And you'll have good meal all the time. And they'll, they'll do the, that film for you. And it's just over food. Sometimes it can be as simple as that. I mean, we didn't get paid at all for doing Clerks. It was all deferment. We just, because we wanted to make a film. Kevin outlaid credit cards that he applied for just to make a film. And he would have been in debt if, if the Weinsteins never bought his movie. And he would have been working at that store for, I don't know, to pay off those credit cards. But he did it. And people enjoyed what he did. And tell your story. Don't, tell, don't try to do a duplicate American Pie. Don't do a duplicate Clerks. Because I've gotten pitched every occupation's version of Clerks 
like everything. Like, dude, I live in this, I work at this garage. There's a guy just like Randall. You should do a movie about a garage. And I go, no, you should do that movie about a garage. I, you, you live that job. I don't. Make your movie. You know? Anyway. We had one over there. Okay, yeah. Hi, uh, Brian, I was wondering if you could give any insight as to how Clerks 3 fell apart and what's going on with that, if there's uh, ever Clerk, a chance or... Uh, it, it's going to be a high, high chance to, to try to get that done, only because uh, Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall, um, while in the negotiation, the script was done, Kevin was in location hunting, and uh, by the time he got done um, with negotiations, and negotiations with the producers were not with Kevin, it was with this producer and company that made Tusk and that made Yoga Hosers, which is the times have changed with DVD sales aren't what they used to be for films, so that revenue stream is gone. So budgets to make films are much smaller, and the salaries to get actors to do your films has gone down tremendously as well. It's not what, what we probably got paid for, what, you know, for doing Clerks 2 and what is, would never happen again because that income doesn't happen anymore, and streaming, to see a movie streaming, the, those streaming companies don't pay per stream what you think buying a ticket at a movie theater would pay. So in that negotiation, the, they lowballed what the salary would have been, especially to Jeff. And me and Jeff, we were kind of insulted, but at the same time, we were like, well, we have negotiating room. And while we were on the bridge negotiation, he was like, fuck this bridge and burn the whole fucker down. And he, he let off this email, a couple of emails to Kevin, and it just kind of went a little ugly that yeah, it is what it is. Kevin talks about it on his, on his podcast, so I'm not saying anything that's new. It just, Jeff didn't want to do it, and it just, it didn't go the way it should have been. So to try to get back to that, it would be very tough, very tough. Can you give us any insight to what was going to happen to Dante and Randall in the movie, since we probably will never see it? Um, the, the insight is uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Okay. It's pretty much reworking it to a Jay and Silent Strikes Back type of movie instead. Um, I pitched, when that, was, when that went down, I, within hours, pitched Kevin a two-page treatment of how to write the movie without Randall physically being on screen. He loved the idea. But his, to his loyalty was, you know, this is like a four-piece band that the drummer has now left or died, and uh, it's just not going to be the same. And I respected him for that. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of a certain female actress, comic, who would have been perfect to step in to not play Randall, but to fill in that void that would have been. And it just, you know, it is what it is. One day, Kevin has even talked about he may do a graphic novel of the script that would have been Clerks 3. But in the meantime, this fan, you will not be disappointed with the Jay and Silent Bob movie. It's going to be pretty, pretty funny. Excellent. Uh, wait, wait for the mic just a second. So the whole crowd can hear you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, this guy teaches theater. See? You guys <laughs> You two need to talk. It's, it's middle school theater, but you know. Uh, it's never too late to go back. No, it's not. Um, you both can chime in as being a shot of the uh, 80s as I am. Uh, Shanda, first of all, you got screwed on Big Brother, on Celebrity Big Brother. I'm just saying right now. I wanted to punch the singer guy in the face multiple times. You, you were, uh, you especially, Shanda, you were both part of a, a Teen, oh, you more about a teen movie genre. Um, what's your take on that now? It's kind of I, I don't really notice anything out here that much anymore. What's your take on that? And you guys, and you were a child of the '80s too. They're just inundated with, you know, Breakfast yeah, Club. John, John Waters, yeah, John. John Hughes, uh, yeah. So. yeah, you know, with film, everything comes in waves. 
So you have like an influx of teen movies for a while, and then it has to go away for another, you know, to, for it to come back. Same way, you know, we had Fast Times and Porky's and all these movies, and then it slowed down, and then we did it again. So I think we're probably due for another influx soon. We need some good filmmakers out there that I know to bring them back. So waiting for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's about smart writing of that world, of especially the issues growing up, teens in the 80s, teens in the 90s, teens today are tremendously different, especially the aspect of teens today are dealing with school shootings. Yeah, I never didn't think about it. I, don't know. I lived in the Bronx, and we didn't have school shootings. You know what I mean? Uh, you had a problem. There was a fight in the schoolyard for, like, lunch money, and that was it. No one brought, you know, an AR-15 back to school because of that was... I mean, when I was in high school, I wore a black trench coat. I was... Before Columbine, I had that thing. I was, you know, I was a nerd and picked on, but I had friends in smart classes that I was part of, and I, I was in auto shop and wood class and metal shop, so I had heavy, heavy metal stoner friends, and I had nerds who, and, and rich kids whose fathers and mothers had beach houses on the Jersey Shore. So today it's a totally, I, to, if you would ask me to try to write a teen kind of comedy, I don't know where I would start because there are so many issues that teens nowadays go through, you know, Teen love is teen love. It all puppy love is still puppy love. That's still universal themes. That, but it's how it's now transmitted through social media, flirting, sexting. It's just all sorts of craziness. That if I ever had it to date now, I would be like, no way. I would be so lonely. It would be like, and plus I I would be the type like, well, I'd need to see a blood test first before we could even interact. Right now, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Which is so funny, because we're all ready to give up our saliva for our DNA, for just to find out. And I'd be like, really? Just to find out, let's give our DNA. But I'm like, okay, but you want to mess around without finding out what's going on? I don't know about that. But yeah, we're overdue for a teen movie. And if there's someone in the room, apparently she's looking this way, who's going to produce a teen movie. Do it, sir. <laughs> Do it well. And stream it, because that's the way the kids watch movies now, on three-inch screens. They don't go to fucking theaters anymore. It's all about, like, dude, did you totally check it out? And only make it in seven minutes, because that's their attention span. Yeah. That's why web series do so well. You do seven-minute episodes, and they're so happy with it. Totally happy with it. It's true. I'm like, I can do seven minutes of something, and then seven more minutes another week. That's easy. When you think about it, regular television sitcoms are three episodes, because it's 21 minutes. Seven minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes with commercial breaks. Shannon, I can't look on the internet for your name and not see animals related to it. I wonder, since we've got a little bit of time left, would you talk a little bit about your foundation? Yes. Thank you for asking. Um, so my charity started as Animal Avengers. I founded it in 2001 as a dog and cat rescue in L.A., um, and then after doing that for over 10 years, I felt like there was more that I could be doing to help animals in a much bigger way. And I didn't really know what that looked like yet. And I went on this quest that led me to Africa. I started realizing there was a major poaching crisis going on and that these animals were going to go extinct in our lifetime if we didn't do something now. And something just clicked in me and I said, this is, this is what I'm going to do. So I started going over there learning about the issues, um, just asking a lot of questions, meeting everybody I could in conservation. 
And after about a year and a half of that, I said, you know, I really love it here and I want to move here and do this more full time and I'll just travel back to the US for work as needed. But I was really happy being there. So at the end of 2016, I moved to South Africa. And, um, and now that the work has transcended into such serious stuff, I mean, we're, we're doing things like in parliament and we're trying to change laws. So doing it on a much bigger scale so we could help the masses and we're putting some programs into place. It is now, right now, re being rebranded to the Shannon Elizabeth Foundation um, with a new logo, more serious work. Because when, when I did the logo, I was doing Jay and Silent Bob, and Joe Casada did our logo. Oh, cool. nice. um, yeah, so, it, so we, and we still have this beautiful, young superhero dog as our logo. And I just remember, I was talking to Kevin, and, he, and I was like, do you know somebody that could like do a logo for us? He's like, well, Joe's on set tomorrow. I'm like, cool, I'll talk to him. And then I, you know, we told him what we wanted and Joe comes back, he goes, mm, this is just like a first try. And we're like, holy crap, that's amazing. So, so Animal Avengers will remain, but it's gonna be our youth education platform. So there's lots I wanna do with this dog superhero to teach kids. Um, so we have ideas for cartoons and films and comic books and all this stuff. And, so that will be focused on, on the youth who will be taking over the planet for us. Um, and then the more serious work is the Shan Elizabeth Foundation. So, and, and we're actually selling bracelets right now. Um, women in Africa that um, live in townships made the bracelets, so it brings employment to the townships and they're, um, they're a nonprofit as well. Uh, so 100% of this goes to nonprofits and we're selling them for only $10. So if you wanna support, come by my table. Thank you. It's excellent. Do, do you actually sell the ones off your wrist? Just, you know, just cute. I'm, uh, I'm asking for a creeper friend. Oh, yeah. For? $25 each off your wrist. I was thinking $100. $100 off. Yeah, there you yeah. go, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, $100 <laughs> off her wrist. Off my wrist. It's, kinda it's like all for a, charity. It's kind of like a jersey game worn. It's kind of thing. You'd buy, you'd buy a baseball or football jersey game worn. So here's a bracelet game worn. It's going to charity. You'll get that slip sometime in the mail. Um, that you can write it off as a tax write-off, but 100 bucks, ladies and gentlemen. Because I'm looking or, at it. She has them or on. Or like my shirt for 1000 Like we can, you know, my shoes for okay. 500 This just, just got even weirder. <laughs> All right. Anything for charity. I got 1000 I got 1000 right. She got 1000 hey, We got shoes. We got shoes. We have an issue. We'll arrange this for Sunday. We'll be back in this room for an auction. Well, she's will gonna, you auction your clothes she, for me? She's going to walk <laughs> off with nothing but a towel. Nens American Pie again. All, all for charity. Again. All over again. All for charity. All for charity. That would be interesting. You should talk about doing that. Like show worn clothes. That, like you come to the, and you say, look, well, I wore all these clothes this whole weekend. Here are the photos to prove it. Money's going to charity. Well, I do. So I have saved a bunch of, when I cleaned out my closet, a bunch of my old clothes that I had actually had a friend who was going to be doing bundles for me on eBay for the charity piece of clothing and an autograph or a magazine or something like right. that. Okay. He really dropped the ball. So did I he, just... Did he run off with your clothing? No, oh, no. Okay. I had to go pick it all up. I actually had to rent a U-Haul this week, pick it all up from Bethlehem in uh, PA, drive it to my other friend's wow. house in Philly, and now it's being stored there until I can find somebody to do this for me. But that is the plan. You know, I now live in Pennsylvania. Would you like to I'm run the eBay hours, auction? I'm two hours north. I'll run the auction, right. I'm two hours okay. north of, of Pennsylvania. 
if you want to volunteer to do this, that'd be hilarious. All right, <laughs> we'll be in touch with those. Okay, cool. Where would you do the auction then? Down in Philly or down in Bethlehem? Or online. Or like online. Anywhere. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I get you. You yeah. have a whole U-Haul worth of clothes you got to sell. Well. No, it's not a U-Haul of clothes. He he actually had a bunch of other stuff of mine, like some lamps. Like I don't even know. Like there was stuff there. I was like, oh look, all of my games, and I don't I don't even remember. So some of it, yeah. There's a few things like there were some things I was gonna try to put up there for a higher price, so like baby a, clothes. Is it in like a storage locker? It's in my friend's garage in storage bins, bins. labeled. Gotcha. Yeah. So your baby clothes? I have some baby clothes. I have a, uh, an outfit that was like a dance leotard thing as of me as a kid. And then, like my mom actually has a picture of me wearing it as a baby. So I'm like, well, maybe one day I could try to auction that off because it's a one oh of a kind. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Well, I also have all my Dancing with the Stars dresses. So I figure oh, well, one day, stuff, yeah, yeah, one day I'll auction those off, too. I yeah, already auctioned smart. off all of my jewelry. Like anything I had of value... Right before I went to Africa, I kind of like just sold so it could go to the right, charity. Right, right, right. So as I'm trying to clean out my storage units, it will all get cleaned out and go to and charity. And it's all going to charity, folks. It's all How going awesome to charity. How awesome is that? That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So your mom is in Pennsylvania? No, it's Where's just a friend. Oh, just a friend. She's in Florida. She's in Florida. Okay. I got it. Yeah. This is so funny. Before we go, guys, I was wondering if you could share, if possible, craziest story you have from any movie that you made on set? Go. You've got to have something. I don't, my memory is so bad. <laughs> that period of my life was, I, I don't have a lot of stories. I Come really on. don't. You, Everything you went by so fast. You did a movie with Tara Reid. There is nothing crazy story. Come on. But I didn't work with her. You like, didn't? She and I, we've gotten to know each other doing these. Cons, but right. Yeah. I don't think I hardly, I don't think I had a scene with her. Yeah, that's the one thing that people always assume, too, that in yeah. large casts, you think, oh, you guys hang out all the time. A lot of times, if you're not in literally the same scene talking to each other, you may not see yourself, each other the entire production. You'll see your, maybe for the table read, and then maybe for the rap party, and then the next thing will be the premiere. And that's usually what happens sometimes. Okay, I have one story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only I, thing I, I can I think of. I'm trying memory. to think as you talk. Um, I did Love Actually. And they flew us to London, and it was, um, it was me and, oh, God, what's her name? Now I can't think of her name. Who was with me? Um, Denise Richards. Uh, we, I think we played sisters in it. Okay, that's a great start of a story. Yeah. Um, so they had put us through wardrobe. We just had one day, one scene. They put us through this crazy wardrobe before we went to breakfast, and it was just a big buffet group breakfast. And... Everybody was there that day because it was the like last scene of the movie where we're all in the airport and They were putting us in their interpretation of what like girls from the Midwest would look like So it was like a pink cowboy hat and I mean it was like really like over the top Oh, I think this would be perfect for you. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the English accent, trying to convince you what Midwestern is So we we're just like, okay, we're happy to be here. We'll wear what you want um, so we're going through the breakfast thing, and Hugh Grant walks up to us, and he... Ooh, dreamy. <laughs> he, so he introduces himself, and Denise is like, I'm so embarrassed in what they put us in. I feel like such a hooker. And he's like, oh, my favorite. <laughs> Good for him taking the mickey out of his yes. own. It's like, oh, my favorite. We died. We loved wow. it. So that's my story. 
It's a great See, one. See, now Hugh Grant just went up a couple of notches in my book. That's awesome. <laughs> it also, I mean, to be honest with you, Jay Leno should send him, you know, gift baskets every couple of years when, because it was from that moment that he showed up on the, the Tonight Show that Jay Leno's ratings were always higher than David Letterman's. So, uh, as far as crazy film stories, I there's we. I mean, the films themselves are so much fun and so cuckoo. Have uh, we been given the five? Is that the, the... I said you turn on the wet seal sign. What the fuck? They actually, they gave, it, they gave us the one, Brian. They gave us the one? They gave us the one? one. Dude, it's 7.44. What, it's, I thought it's an hour. No. Really? 45 minutes? God, you guys are worst. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's not like it's a porn theater. You've got to clean up popcorn and condoms. You tell people to go out and here's the next friggin' show. Who's coming in after us? Nobody yet. I'll come. Well, fuck you. I'm going 10 more minutes. Does she have to be somewhere like now? All right. You're, you're cool. You're cool going like a few more minutes, right? I got nowhere to be. See? She's got nowhere to be. Someone after us. Shut up. So anyway, before I was rudely interrupted, and, and, and my contract said you're supposed to flash the wet seal sign as my five minutes. When I came in here earlier today, I was like, oh, is this the, yeah, is this, is this the panel room? They're like, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is this a wet seal store? And he goes, yeah, it used to be. And it's a neon sign behind us, everybody, that says wet seal, because that's where the registers were. I'm like, did you find the light switch to turn that on? Because that's hilarious. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I was like, well, you can use that as the five-minute, you know, left kind of warning to us, because it's facing us, and we'll see it. And it's going to be obvious, because it's a neon sign. And so the one kid in here who was like, I think his name is Matthew or something like that, the one kid was like, oh, but we have this. And he shows a clipboard with the, he's going to show it to you right now, the clipboard with the five to give us the five-minute warning. And then you turn the page, and it's just one. He's, and he goes to me, he goes, yeah, he, yeah. He goes, you're, you're taking my job. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your only job is to tell us when five, one, and end is? Is that what you're doing in this fucking room? I said, I've just upped you to electrician, motherfucker. <laughs> you now just stand there a light switch and go like this. It makes it so much easier. And you're now in the electrician's union. I can't give you a funny set story because this is so much funnier, to be honest with you. Um, but there were so many things that went on. I mean, we, Jay Muse was just, he was like the, the show entertainment uh, offset in between takes kind of guy. Like, we had contests with the crew. Like, we had the giant cronut that they, the caterer came in and paid one of the grips. Uh, everybody put in $5 to see if he could eat it in one sitting. And it was literally like a sheet cake size kind of cruller with the cream filling and everything. And guy took away like I think it was like three or four hundred dollars in collection from all this to see this guy do this and it's one of the things they even put up on the internet when we were making the movie um, I think that guy now has diabetes but um, <laughs> he finished it and he was back he was a lighting grip and he was back to work with not a problem he had energy for weeks after that with all that sugar in it and it was just so many different things there was a time Jay when we were at the clerks too, the movies was the, an old Burger King that was going to be demolished in uh, Orange County, right literally a block away from uh, Knott's Berry Farms Amusement. And so we were there, and then next door to it was a Days Inn, an actual motel, where you know you open the room up out to the outside, you know, that, that type of hotel. So we were, instead of giving trailers, everybody had their own hotel room. It was awesome. 
and then we overlooked the railing, overlooked the store, so we could see when things were going on. So Jay had the one room that was at the end of the walkway, that his door faced the walkway, and then we'd turn and go down the steps to go out to the, to the movies. And he would always bust chops at Rosario Dawson. Rosario! Like in between breaks. Rosario, I'm like, what, Jay? Come here, I want to show you something. So one thing Jay always does is he goes to the Target or Walmart, whatever city he's in filming, buys a giant screen TV, buys a gaming system, buys a stereo system, whatever. And then after filming, he returns all that shit back to the store, like, oh, it didn't work, sorry, and to get his money back. It's, it's a side thing that actors will do to have shit, and then once they leave set, they just return it, and like, oh, it just didn't work. That was before your 30% restocking fee, folks, so calm down. I know everybody's Amazon's heads are losing their minds right now. Um, so he had this giant screen TV, and he had a DVD player, and he'd bring, Rosario, I want you to show you something. He'd walk in, and he'd have that scene of Alexander where she and Colin Farrell are just going at to town, and she's completely, fully in, in the buff. And he would then, as soon as she'd walk in, hit play, and there she's like, ah, ah, and she's like, Jay, you're such a dick. <laughs> and he'd be like, isn't that what Colin said? Oh, and it was that type of thing. We would goof on each other, but Jay is always a lot of fun, and uh, I'll, I'll always have, when people ask me what was my favorite movie, and I say, well, I don't have a favorite movie. They're all like a mother's child, like no mother's going to say that's my favorite child. But they're all special to me in different ways, but that was the most fun because we did so many different things. It's not every day that you go into work and your boss says, okay, I want my wife to straddle you on a swing. You guys make out while I film you. And then I get paid for this? That's a good job. In any other industry, that's an HR violation. If not, you're going to jail. But then he pays me back by going, okay, we're going to do the same thing, but now it's Rosario Dawson. I'm like, I'm living the dream. I really did goof up one take as a goof on purpose. Oh, I goofed up. We have to kiss again. You know, just as a creeper move. That's why I've never been employed since. No. Um, but those are the type of things that I have a lot of fun with, and it's, it's great. And uh, for those who want to to think about doing acting, do it, man. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm very blessed that I get to do this and people enjoy what we do. And, you know, we have fans that still, look, I'm still cashing in a check that's 24 years old, 25 years old. People love it. This is awesome. This is great. We had nearly 400 people a couple of weeks ago come and watch five of Kevin's movies that have been out forever and still pay tickets to come and see Q&As with me and Kevin and Jay and everybody involved in the films just because it was a lot of fun. And, and we love that fan base and we're grateful for it. And I would never poo-poo it or be like, oh, don't ever ask me about that movie again. You know, fuck you. I made the choice to make the movie. You love watching the movie. I'm going to answer your questions. I'll, I'll take the time out. Just not when I'm peeing, not when I'm trying to eat, not when I'm trying to go to bed. Thank you very much. Thank you. We can get a little bit louder for Shannon Elizabeth and Brian O'Halloran. Thank you guys. Come to our table. She's got uh, bracelets and maybe some clothes to sell you. <laughs>